in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Everybody, welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Die Podcast. As always, I'm your whole co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Eddie Hart. Hello, listeners, <laughs> and welcome to another thrilling episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Die Podcast. Andy, whoo, whoo. I'm warm. Yeah, why? Ah, I'm wearing long sleeves, and oh, it's like yeah, I see that. 50 degrees out there. I see that. I got a little culottes on, and a uh, little... Sash, uh, little I'm wine fine. culottes. I'm comfy. Um, you know, Andy, uh, what a uh, first of all, good to see you. Hey, Art, nice to see you too. It's good to be here. Um, you know, what a what a paradox. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> we're dressed for warm weather for cold weather, and it's warm. Jeez, yeah. What a paradox. That's it. <laughs> Truly the definition of a paradox. And in a way Just like that uh just like that uh Alanis Morissette song, Isn't It Paradoxical? <laughs> Don't you think? A little too paradoxical. When you dress warm, but it's cold outside. Isn't that paradoxical? <laughs> uh great song. And we're well, hey. I mean, I'm no expert, but you you, I'm a jagged you, little pill. You ought to know. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Hey, cut it out. Okay. A couple of Dave Couliers here. <laughs> Speaking of Dave Coulier. Uh, oh, what a segue. <laughs> today's topic, Andy, to see where this is, headed. is very Coulier. Oh, yeah. Uh, a listener-suggested topic. Hey, listener-suggested. Yeah, this is a listener-suggested. Oh, my God. My mouth stopped working. It's a listener-suggested topic. Uh, our listener, friend, and uh, soon-to-be fellow podcaster, yeah, uh, Jacob C. Elliott, that's uh, right, is uh, suggested this topic: uh, the Fermi paradox. Um, so, uh, thank you, Jacob. Um, best of luck with Beyond the Void, your that's new right. podcast. Look for Beyond the Void coming soon to wherever you find fine podcasts. Yeah. And um, thank you for suggesting this topic. We're talking the Fermi Paradox. Where are all the aliens? Where the frick are the aliens? Where are the aliens at? <laughs> um, that's a great question, Art. And uh, frankly, a lot of ideas there. Not a lot of proof. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna dive into it though. We got we got a steaming whole enchilada on this topic. You know what, list uh, listeners, if you. If you can't wait, if you are so hungry, ready to stuff your belly with Fermi Paradox enchilada, check the show notes. We got a little timey stamp in there. See where it is. Move your slider to that time. You can dive right in. That's right, eggheads. 
Yeah. The eggheads are going to love you this one. Freaking dorks. You poindexters, this one's for you. Uh, but first, for the uh, OG bunk funkers out there, yeah. you know you want to listen to the intro where Andy oh, and I talk man. about how we got abducted by Mr. Bunker, the titular Mr. Bunker. You know, you all are avid shoe collectors and you have, you love when someone else shoehorns in a weird bit to the beginning of a podcast. That's right. Uh, so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to tell you how we got here. That's right, Andy. Uh, we're going to talk about all the ways Mr. Bunker captured us. All the thrilling details. Thrilling details. Scandalous topics. You know what, Andy? We love food. Oh, do what we ever. you say it? Oh, I think I've I think I've said it quite a lot on a this podcast. Much. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what my doctor said. Oh well, okay. I love it too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Anyways, trying to think of a segue. There is none. Wow. There's no no way to segue from that's, that, folks. My personal health is so bad. Art feels uncomfortable joking about it. Um, pantries, Andy. You love them. You can't live without oh, them. Gotta have a good pantry. God, I remember college pantry raids every other night in my dorm. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't love a good pantry stocked full of all of our lovely food items? Uh, just, I love having extra condiments available because when you run out, you need it. That's why I buy mayonnaise in bulk. <laughs> well, I refrigerate my mayonnaise. <laughs> well, but no, I have an extra on I don't think you technically need to. No, you do. You do. There are eggs in mayonnaise. Oh, okay. Um, then why'd you say pantry? It's not a pantry item. I have a spare in the pantry and one well, in the why refrigerator. why isn't it in the refrigerator? There's one in the refrigerator and an unopened one So spare. you don't need to refrigerate until after opening. Right. Okay, now we've learned a little bit about mayonnaise. We can move on. Yeah, well, okay, maybe. Classic yeah. segment on the show. We've learned a little bit about it's mayonnaise. Still, yeah, maybe it's oil. It's shelf stable, but then you break the seal. You should refrigerate it. Mm. Oil could go rancid. Sure. Lots of things Look, can. I don't know what's in commercial mayonnaise. Speaking of rancid. Uh, not the band, Andy. I really? had a I had a bit of a rancid. Well, experience. there goes my story. I was going to tell. Yeah, well, you love <laughs> seen them a lot on tour. Yeah, that one song. Mm-hmm. I don't sure. remember it. Nope. Anyway, <laughs> Andy, I came down to my kitchen to get a little snack early in the morning. You beef, know, beef stick. Yeah, well, not a beef stick, but you know, I've got some. Uh, I've a got cookie? some. No, not a cookie, Andy. I've got some uh, nut butter. You ever have nut butter? Oh, nut butter. Like yeah. uh, I have sunflower seed butter. Uh-huh. As you know, I can't have peanuts or other kinds of nuts, mm-hmm. but I can have seeds. Uh, well, that's really seed butter then. Yeah, it's seed butter. Not nut butter. Yeah. You're right. Seed butter. Seed butter. And who do I find when I come down to the kitchen? Oh, I'm going to have than... to guess baseball Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr.? You would think. <laughs> I've had him locked up in my basement for a long time, but no. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I I, I saw none other than Mr. Bunker. Mr. Bunker? In your kitchen? He was in my kitchen! And all of a sudden... Okay, go ahead. Well, Andy, he points at me like a uh, a egg beater that uh, has like one of those, uh, like a handheld egg beater. The old-fashioned crank kind? Yes, the cranking kind. But Andy, it shoots a beam of light at me. (laughs) What? I know! And all of a sudden, Andy... He turns me into a bag of King Arthur flour. Just like your name. Just like my name. And he picks me up and he puts me inside of a pantry. Okay. So now, Andy, all of a sudden, I'm in this foreign world. I'm a bag of King Arthur flour. I still have my sentience. Yeah. I, I can still, like, shuffle and move. Can you see? I can see. I can wow. smell. I can taste. 
you know, I think I can hear. So you're like a you're like a Disney bag of flour. I'm like a Disney bag, a bag of, flour. of flour with a face. That's right. That's how a lot of people have described me <laughs> in the past. That's also the name of your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> bag of flour with a face. The Art Stone story. <laughs> Volume one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And needless to say, Andy, I was confused and scared. Sure. I don't know what's going on. I'm running around. All of a sudden, I run to a can of Chef Boyardee, and he's like, oh, mamma mia. Wait. He's talking to he's me. He's sentient, too? He's sentient, too. I'm like, I'm freaking out. So I run away. I'm screaming. I'm like, ah, I don't know what's going on, Andy. Yeah. Then I hear this weird sound. Sounds like, sounds like cheeks clapping. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 indeed. Cheeks clapping. Not, yeah. Not hands clapping. No, cheeks clapping. Oh. So I decided to go investigate it. What do I see in the corner of the pantry, Andy, on the second shelf? I see a can of dull pineapple chunks. Okay. Giving it raw and dirty to Mrs. Butterworth. Doggy style. Oh. And the dull can is like, oh, dull can gonna come, dull can gonna come. Oh, my God. Mrs. Butterworth, blue chunks? Uh, yes. Yeah, well. I mean, probably before you got there. That's foreplay. It's a real Twinkie situation. Yeah. Jeez. And I rushed out of there, Andy, because, boy, am I embarrassed. Was there like a pineapple dick or something? I saw it from behind. I saw the dull pineapple oh. chunks buttocks. Did you saw? Yeah. Did they have cheeks? Yeah, little cheeks. Defined butt cheeks? Andy, I team? know food having sex with itself is a big fetish for you, so I know you're excited about this. No, I like food. I like what you've described, food having sex with other food items. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. But just as I do, Andy, as I'm running away from that scene, I run into a, a box of Uncle Ben's rice. Okay. And he's like, well, what are you doing here? What, what were you doing in there? Ah. Uh. And he's like interrogating yeah. me and I'm like, you know, I'm like trying to explain my situation. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, listen, like I'm, I'm like trying to explain what went on and he's confused. And I'm like, listen, I'm not like you people. And he's like, what do you oh, mean you oh people? God, why would you say that? Andy, I meant pantry items. God. I meant pantry items. Ugh. At this point, Andy, a crowd of other goods are gathering. You got Goobers, PB&J, Chef Boyardee's, their Uncle Ben's, the Honey Bear, Bush's Baked Beans, a you know, others. I'm surprised all this stuff is in your pantry. To uh, be I mean, well, Andy, hey, don't put the cart before the horse here. Suddenly, Andy, they part ways and a box of Little Debbie oatmeal cream pies comes out. Smoking a fucking cigarette. All right, bub. What do you think you're doing here in our quiet little pantry causing a ruckus, eh? <laughs> Why does he have that accent? You tell me. I mean, Little Debbie's obviously is the gang leader. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Little Debbie's fucking flipping a butterfly knife back and forth, a balisong, if you will. Flipping it back and forth. I'm about to get cut! Yeah. I try to explain the situation, but she's not having it. Then I let slip that, you know, I, I explained, you know, I ran into, and I'm freaking out and I walked in on the dole can fucking Mrs. Buttersworth and the entire crowd gasps. Yeah. Kool-Aid packet in the back says, oh yeah, he's excited about it. <laughs> you know he is. But I'll tell you who, what is, who wasn't. Bush's baked beans cocks a tiny shotgun and says, I'll kill that motherfucker. Oh no. Mrs. Butterworth was his wife? I guess so, Andy, because the crowd erupts into chaos. I guess... Bush's Baked Beans was going to go kill the Dolcan. Oh. Watch out, Dolcan. And in all the chaos, I was able to make my getaway. I launched myself out of the pantry. I crash onto the kitchen floor where suddenly I'm turned back into me, but butt naked. Okay. Coughing up flour. Yeah. And I'm in the bunker kitchen. 
I was in the bunker kitchenette next to the open face toilet, of course. Hey, wait a minute. This was the bunker pantry? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He's holding out on us. Yeah, I guess so. I guess he never let us eat all that good food because they're sentient, Andy. We have mm. sentient food in the bunker kitchenette. Mm. And we never knew. Like 48, 50 episodes in, we, we just figured this out. God, that makes a lot of... That raises a lot of moral and ethical questions. You're telling me, I mean, would you eat from that doll can or Mrs. Buttersworth for them? I don't know. Is it right to eat out a sentient doll can? But I guess if he's an adulterer, in a way, I'm doing the Lord's work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're literally ripping open his skull and drinking his inner fluids. Right. And his eating, chunks. His, eating his flesh. At least he got to blow chunks before he, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Ate chunks. We'll I have know. to, you know what, listeners, bunk funkers, let us know if you think it's right for us to eat the sentient food that lives in the bunker kitchenette. Let us know. Write us in. Tell us what you think. If not, we won't. Right. We'll stick to the gruel and oatmeal that we, you know, have to eat. I don't think I can murder Chef Boyardee and eat his insides. That would feel a little. It feels too. Feel a little too real. Yeah. Dolcan is just kind of like, well, you know, I don't understand that one as much. There's a face to oh, Chef Boyardee. It's named after a person. Yeah. I think that's what uh, Bunker was going for there. Yeah, no, no. But I mean, like, the Dole, there's no Dole mascot. Sure, sure, sure. You know, like the Kool-Aid man, I feel it's in between because yeah. he's he's sort of anthropomorphic. Mm, Mrs. Mm -hmm, Butterworth, mm -hmm. uh, probably higher. higher. I think it's Chef Boyardee at the top, then the Mrs. Butterworth. The honey bear? Then, mm, yeah, that's tough. Like, do I kill the honey bear when I can see his sad eyes? Slow, painful death. Yeah. Anyway, Andy, that's the adventure I had. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry that that happened, Art. I don't know. I learned I learned a good lesson, I guess. We'll see what the <laughs> Which was? Which was? Uh, don't walk in. When you hear cheeks clapping, don't, don't. come flapping. <laughs> yep. That famous aphorism. <laughs> when the cheeks are clapping, don't come flapping. Yeah. Or fapping. That too. I mean, that's creepy. Hey, I wonder what happened. I mean, maybe Bush's baked beans killed the dole can and then you can eat them. Yeah, it'd be nice to get a resolution to that that yeah. that drama. We'll have to wait. I would feel okay eating the Bush's baked beans because the dog and Jay Bush aren't on the Duke and Jay Bush. They're not on the can. Thank you. Please refer to the dog by its proper title. Duke. Duke, Duke the golden retriever. The Duke. baked bean Fucking golden retriever. loves beans. Yeah. I mean, that dog is crazy. That dog is, that dog is crazy for beans. <laughs> He's cuckoo for beans. <laughs> Um, wow. What a, what a journey. Yeah. I had a journey myself, Art. Oh, uh, let me preface this story by saying that I hate moving. Oh, do you ever, but in multiple senses of the word, yeah, just in general, getting up from a chair or out of bed, uh, walking any distance, <laughs> uh, and then finding a new place to live, also bad. You frequently have said, you'll have to pry me my cold, dead body. What do you, you always say that. Yeah, they'll have to pry my cold, dead body off of the floorboards before yeah. I'll leave. And every time I've been proven wrong. Yeah. I, sometimes in life, you just have to move. You got to change your place yeah. of residence. Yeah. yeah. Um, my family, uh, listeners, this is for your benefit, Art. You probably have heard this already. We recently got evicted from our apartment tough it was hard to you know uh, apparently someone probably one of our neighbors filed a complaint with the city about a foul odor emanating from our apartment 
So a city investigator, you know, had to come by. His name was Jonas Blunker. Huh. And he looked around. You got his full name. Well, yeah, they have to give you like a card so you can, you know, an ID so that you know they're from the city. All right. And not just some rando showing up. Why would you let anybody without ID into your house? All right. Yeah, you're right. Um, And he looked around. He, uh, Jonas Blunker uh, determined that the source of the odor was my sweatpants. (laughs) And he confiscated them to destroy them in an incinerator. (laughs) I think it was, I think this punishment honestly was a little bit over the line. But, uh. I mean, what's a pair of sweatpants? In Jonas Blunker's defense, uh, I wear those sweatpants every day. Yeah? They're my loungy wear, and I've only ever washed them once. Okay. Well, Andy, uh, lounge wear, a little different from raw denim. Raw <laughs> denim, you wash once or twice, oh, maybe every go. year. Yeah. It's a true fact. Well, these are raw sweatpants. Well, I doubt that. They're... I doubt that. Because I know you. I mean, they stunk raw. Is yeah. that what you mean? I have a moist undercarriage. <laughs> okay. So now I have no sweatpants, which is not good. No, yeah, you got to have loungewear. It's important. Um, But then after that happens, the other shoe drops. We get the eviction notice. The, uh, the notice says I created a hazardous living situation, and now we're being forced to move. And this wasn't based on your personality. Well, I mean... <laughs> I tend to think that most things are based a little bit on my personality. Yeah. The world's out to get me. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm kind of a loner and I'm pretty misunderstood. <laughs> you really identified with Joker, didn't you? Yeah. You were pissed that Parasite won. Look, Art, we live in a society. <laughs> there it is. Uh so anyway, it's fine. Whatever. Like we'll we'll find a new place to move. Yeah. Uh, and I find I find a place all, uh, like right away. Almost, almost immediately. Uh, it's a nice condo. For a very reasonable price at a place called Bunk Lofts. Uh, Bunk Lofts. Bunk Lofts. Okay. Um, no red flags going off. Uh, it's Okay, there's a little bit of a red flag here because it's called Bunk Lofts, but all of the units are garden units. <laughs> so there's nothing, nothing in the complex is above grade. Like everything's in the ground. And, okay, uh, and you want to live in a garden unit. Yeah, I mean, these places are really nice and a great price. Okay. Um, so the next thing you got to do, I mean, you know me, I don't like moving. No, you don't. I don't like to move my stuff. So we hire movers. Um, I mean, I have been asked before by friends, like, would you help? And I'm like, I don't move my own stuff. I'm sure as hell not going to move your stuff. To help <laughs> you, you always have a convenient excuse when always, friends are moving. Yes. And doing anything for any other human, I have a convenient excuse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so... We find this pretty highly rated uh, moving company called Mr. Junker's Moving Time Moving Company. Um, All right. I mean, truthfully, uh, I'm a little bit surprised at this point that everything's working out so well uh, because it's like short notice, you know. Um, So finally, the big the big day comes and the movers come by. Um, Well, it's a mover. It's only one guy, the owner of the company, Mr. Junker. But man, he was a hard worker and fast. Yeah. Uh, he had the whole apartment loaded onto the truck in 90 minutes. Wow. Uh, and I'm telling you, Art, I've got some difficult stuff to move. Okay. I got a vintage collection of Hustler magazines with all the (laughs) naughty pictures removed. Uh, I got a baby grand piano. Just the articles. Just the articles. I don't, I don't need that smut. You don't need that smut. I don't need that smut. I'm interested in the articles (laughs) and the letters, uh, but all the dirty words are removed. Um, uh, I got a baby grand piano. 
uh, a life-sized balsa wood replica of the Airbus A320 piloted by Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger on January 15th, 2009, when he made his fateful landing in the Hudson River. Um, and I've got a metric ton of loose sand <laughs> and uh, the taxidermied body of Spunk, the famous mouse actor who portrayed Mr. Jingles in the Green Mile. <laughs> wow, I... I must have missed all that stuff the last time I was at your apartment. Well, I don't put them out for display. I mean, these are right. I mean, these, these are priceless items. These are priceless family heirlooms. And Mr. Junker moved them without so much as a scratch. 10 out of 10. I would use Mr. Junker's Moving Time Moving Company again for a move. Okay. I recommend them to everybody listening right now. You heard it here first, folks. Mr. Junker's Moving Time Moving Company. So th- Things were going pretty well, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're in our new place. It's like a month. Um, and I send my family out uh, one morning to the store to buy snacks for me. Uh, mostly the like cheese flavored puffed grain variety. Like Cheetos. Cheese balls. You big Cheetos guy? Oh, yeah. Anything cheese and grain. Okay. Pump it into my veins. Right. Um, so I decide eh, I'm going to I'm gonna take a load off while they're gone. Yeah, um, sure. I decide to relax for once. Uh, so I'm eating Doritos in the bath, and I hear this loud mechanical rumbling. Like, so- suddenly the whole building just starts shaking. Next thing I know, the bathroom window, which is, again, completely obscured by soil. It's below grade. Sure. No reason for there to be a window at all in the bathroom. Yeah, what purpose is it serving? Suddenly the window is filled with daylight. Like it's above ground now. The light hits my eyes and it makes me hiss. Oh, yeah. Like a portly nude vampire. <laughs> uh, suddenly, the whole apartment is like rotating 90 degrees and I slip inside, whoop, right out of the bathtub and crash into the wall. I like the whole thing is like on end. Wow. You picturing this? Yeah. With my naked body? I can see. Oh, out, God. Now I can see out the window that now we're like. The apartment's pretty far off the ground. Like I can, you're see being excavated. Something's happening. I can, I can see uh, other units in the complex too. It's not just me. It's everything. Uh, after a while, like this, uh, there's scenery passing outside. All of a sudden, there's this sudden violent shaking, and I'm like launched from my bathroom uh, through the window and onto the ground. Okay, uh, I'm like a little bit stunned by this, so I gotta. I collect myself, and, and I realize I'm outside the bunker. Oh, my God. I also notice, finally now, what happened. The entire bunk lofts complex was a giant robot. <laughs> it's a big robot. I was living in the tummy of a robot. Mr. Bunker comes out of the bunker to greet me, and he gives me an oversized bath towel, and he lifts me up, cradles me into the bunker. Oh, Wow. And then he dressed me in this childish sailor suit. <laughs> so that's why that's why I'm dressed like yeah, this. You look like a little Daffy Duck. Yeah, that's that's it. Wow. That's where I got this suit. This is not my own. I mean I don't want to add insult to injury here, Andy. <laughs> oh well, let's see where this is going. But bunk lofts, Mr. Junker. Come on. All right. In hindsight. What was that guy's name? Jasper Blunkett? Uh, no, his name was, uh, uh, Jonas Blunker. Jonas Blunker. Look, in hindsight, yeah. I mean, I made some mistakes, okay? I admit that. But, you know, 
you don't always, you don't, it didn't look like Mr. Bunker. You know, you used to be hard to fool. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, truthfully, this sounds like something that would happen to you rather than me. <laughs> but. Boy, the tables have turned. And it wasn't fun. Yeah. But I'm keeping the sailor suit. I don't care what he tries to do. Whoa, you're to homeless. Have you even considered that? Yeah, I don't know where my family is right now. <laughs> They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. They were at the store when this happened. They'll be fine. They're probably staying at the store. Yeah, you can live in the Marianos. Mm, yeah, no big deal. You'd live in a Mariano. <laughs> Would I ever? You hate the grocery store. Yeah, I don't like going there. But if I lived there, it'd be a different story. Okay. I'd hate all the other people then in yeah. the store, but I hate them anyway. A lot of people coming over to your house. Uh, yeah, and that probably would bother me. So I'd probably have to buy a gun. <laughs> I mean, I mostly fire into the air. So you want to live at a Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really my dream scenario is living at a Walmart. <laughs> you just the sheriff patrolling in your rascal scooter with your shotgun? Yeah, yeah. I would never walk. I would just get that rascal. Those little shopping shopping scooters. Well, it's like your car. Yeah, that's that becomes my indoor car, yeah, which is something I've always needed. Your patrol car. Right. I'm saying you're the sheriff of Walmart. <laughs> yeah. And I drink a lot of milk. Drinking milk. So much milk available. <laughs> I'd be drinking milk all day. What does it have to do with Walmart? Because I got milk available. I'll drink all that milk. I'll wear as many pairs of Wrangler jeans as I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of Wrangler jeans, it's time to wrangle ourselves together here, Andy. Yeah. And uh, get to our topic. Oh, yeah. The Fermi Paradox. The Fermi Paradox. Uh, where are all the aliens at? We're going to talk about it. Why aren't they here with us? Hanging out, <laughs> shopping at our Walmarts. <laughs> really the height of civilization. Yeah. Shopping at Walmart. They'll learn about it. And uh, so will you, Bunk Funkers, because... Oh, will you ever. Uh, we got a whole steaming plate of the whole enchilada on the Fermi Paradox. Coming at ya. <laughs> Art! Yeah. Today, the titular Mr. Bunker has tasked us with serving up a plate of whole enchilada stuffed with the Fermi Paradox and the Great Filter. Before we get all rolled up and roasty-toasty in our tortillas, though, let's have a little background appetizer, shall we? The Fermi Paradox is named for the physicist Enrico Fermi. Art, I believe you and the titular Fermi have a lot in common. That's right, Andy. Well, we both have Italian roots. Uh, we both received the Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. We both had the honorary title Excellency bestowed on us by the Italian government. Right. Uh, Fermi eventually settled in Chicago, and I've been a lifelong Chicagoan. Mm -hmm. Fermi died in Chicago, which I will almost certainly do someday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we both have the nickname The Pope. That's right. Everyone calls you that. Everyone calls me that. Fermi worked at Los Alamos, Alamos uh, as part of the team that developed nuclear weapons for the USA. Uh, Andy, you might know this. The nuclear bombs dropped on Japan had a deep impact on anime, which has had a deep impact on anime. On me. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> and we both built nuclear reactors under the stands at a football field at the University of Chicago. Right. No famously. big deal. No big deal. Uh, and you both have radical ideas about extraterrestrial life attributed to you. Oh. But today's episode is not about the unified theory of art. That deserves its own episode. No, today we're talk we're talking uh, first about the Fermi paradox. The Fermi paradox is the notion that life, including intelligent life, seems like it should be plentiful throughout the universe. Yet we have no real indication that intelligent extraterrestrial life is out there. Often this is extrapolated to suggest that because we have no evidence of other in- intelligent species in the galaxy, none exist. The origin of the Fermi paradox lies in the same place as so many revolutionary ideas. Lunch. (laughs) Fermi was having lunch with some colleagues at Los Alamos lab in 1950 when the conversation turned to girls they knew when their hair was soft and long and the beach was the place to go. Uh, hmm. Mm, Some about that doesn't seem right, Andy. You know, take take it again. Maybe you should take it again. Suntan bodies and waves of sunshine, the California girls and a beautiful coastline, warmed up weather. Let's get together and do it again. Uh oh, bunk funkers. Andy's been triggered into a Beach Boys loop. He can't stop singing until he finishes the damn song, so let me do it anyway. Fermi is having lunch with some colleagues at Los Alamos in 1950. Naturally, they start talking about the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Fermi famously asked, Where is everybody? A simple question, and yet one that remains to be answered. The Milky Way is 13.5 billion years old. If other civilizations progressed as quickly as humans, well, it's reasonable to think that older civilizations would have developed space travel that would allow them to colonize the galaxy. Traditional estimates by astronomers figure that a space-traveling species could spread across the galaxy in anywhere from 650,000 to maybe a few million years. Uh, More recent studies have suggested that civilizations may even be able to spread faster than that by making the most of the revolutions of stars around the galactic center. Do rot, do it again. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, everybody. I got into a uh, a serious thing back there. Hmm. Uh, so uh, where were we? Fermi paradox. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, Fermi's question: uh, Where is everybody? Seemed to get even more difficult to answer in 1961, the same year the Beach Boys formed. Uh, but really, in a way, the Beach Boys formed. Long before 1961, the core of the group were three brothers, Brian, Dennis, and Carl Wilson, and their cousin, Mike Love. You see, Brian and Mike were of a similar age. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, there he goes again, Bunk Funkers, so I better take over for a bit. So as Andy said, in 1961, the question, where is everybody, got even harder to answer. That was the year that astronomer Frank Drake proposed the Drake equation. The titular Drake, uh, Drake, sorry. Uh, suggested that the Drake equation could be used to estimate the number of technological civilizations in our galaxy, the Milky Way. The Drake equation is this, n equals uh, r asterisks fp ne fl fifc and l. 
where N is the number of civilizations in the galaxy which detectable electromagnetic transmissions. Uh, R asterisk is the rate of formation of stars which could support the development of intelligent life. FP is the fraction of those stars with planetary systems. NE is the number of planets per solar system with environments that can support life. FL is the fraction of planets where life actually does appear. FI is the fraction of planets where life appears and develops into intelligent life. And then FC is the fraction of civilizations that develop a technology that releases detectable signs of their existence into space. And finally, L is the length of time those civilizations release detectable signs of their existence into space. Whew. Clearly, there are a lot of variables here. And the best values used for some of these variables is, well, really up for debate. When Drake first developed the equation, he and his colleagues plugged in ranges of values that they felt were good estimates for the time. The end results were that we should expect anywhere from 20 to 100 million technologically advanced civilizations in our galaxy. Even on the low end, though, seems like we could probably have detected some kind of other intelligent life by now. Right, Andy? What's up now? Andy, the Drake equation, you know, it kind of suggests that there are quite a few other civilizations out there, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right you are, Art. Oh, boy. You know, one thing about the accuracy of the Drake equation is that we're, we're limited by what we know about the universe around us. How likely is life in general? And how likely is that life to develop into intelligent civilizations that leave detectable signals into space? And how long would those civilizations last? In 2018, the Future of Humanity Institute, or FHI, released a paper calling into question past methodology used to solve the Drake equation and introducing uh, new methods to find the number of technologically advanced civilizations out there. The FHI researchers say that, traditionally, the unknown variables in the Drake equation were filled with averages of estimates. The FHI team felt that this incorrectly weighted certain opinions of the value and possibly led to an inflated result for N, the FHI team, however, used a logarithmic scale to more equally capture differing opinions and values. The team ran simulations to get values for N and incorporated the fact that we have not yet found intelligent life elsewhere, which is an important factor. What FHI found is that there's a 53 to 99.6% chance that humanity is the only civilization in the Milky Way and a 39 to 85% chance that humanity is the only civilization in the observable universe. So maybe Fermi's paradox isn't paradoxical at all. Maybe we really are just alone in the galaxy. If we consider the view of Robert H. Gray in a guest blog written for Scientific American, Fermi's paradox was never even a paradox to begin with. Jeez. <laughs> also, Seems like something I would say, right? <laughs> also, the idea that Fermi suggested that the lack of evidence of extraterrestrial life means there isn't any extraterrestrial life is not accurate. First, let's talk about paradoxes. If you're not familiar, a paradox is basically like a uh, self-contradictory statement. If you can also think of it, uh, you can also think of it as a statement with good reasoning that leads to a illogical, illogical conclusion. So here's a famous example of a paradox. The early Greek philosopher Zeno of Elia imagined a scenario where the great Greek hero Achilles challenged a tortoise to a race. 
Achilles gave the tortoise a head start because, you know, he's a fair guy. He's fair. Once Achilles starts running, he quickly gets to the spot where the tortoise was when he started running. But the tortoise is a little bit ahead of that spot now. Again, Achilles quickly runs to the spot where the tortoise is, but by the time he gets there, the tortoise has moved a bit more ahead. No matter how many times Achilles gets to the spot where the tortoise is, the tortoise has continued to move ahead. What this paradox implies is that Achilles can never catch the tortoise. It's easy, though, to see that in reality, Achilles could probably easily catch and pass the tortoise or possibly mount and ride the tortoise to battle beneath the walls of Troy, which I think would be dope. Yeah. Uh, Homer, if you're listening, add that into the next version of the Iliad. <laughs> so thus, this proposition from Zeno has driven us logically to an illogical conclusion. That, dear bunk bunkers, is a paradox. Now, as for Fermi's so-called paradox, Robert H. Gray writes that, according to Fermi's lunchmates from 1950, the group was looking at a cartoon from the New Yorker that showed aliens with New York City trash cans, a.k.a. New York City sidewalks. When Fermi asked, where is everybody? The lunch bunch understood that Fermi was really saying, we haven't seen any extraterrestrial spaceships. Nobody at Los Alamos thought Fermi was questioning extraterrestrial life, only that he was doubtful about the prospects for interstellar travel. According to Gray, the idea that because we haven't seen extraterrestrials, we therefore must be alone in the universe originated, at least in print, with astronomer Michael Hart, no relation, in 1975. Hart wrote, quote, they are not here, therefore they do not exist, end quote. Hart thought that any advanced civilization would eventually colonize the Milky Way. The lack of evidence led Hart to believe that human beings are the only intelligent life, so trying to find ETs is just wasting everybody's time and resources. Physicist Frank Tipler expanded on Hart's ideas in 1980 by suggesting that in order to get the necessary resources to colonize the galaxy, an advanced species would create a self-replicating construction machine with human-level AI. The colonizers would send this machine to a star system with instructions to use up the resources there, copy itself, and send the copy to another star system to do the same thing. In theory... The galaxy should be chock full of these machines, except it's not. Therefore, according to Tipler, humans are the only intelligent life in the entire universe. Oh, hope Frank Tipler stretched before he jumped to that conclusion, Andy. He's going to tear his hamstring. Oh, yeah. going to tear a hammy. Fermi's name got added to the mix in 1977. So at that point, in between Hart and Tipler's papers, when physicist David Stevenson uh, wrote a paper where he used the term Fermi paradox while suggesting Hart's idea as a potential solution to Fermi's question, where is everybody? So really, uh, Fermi's name just kind of got tacked on to someone else's argument just because he asked a question at lunch. We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> all this despite the fact that ultimately Fermi only really brought into question the, the feasibility of travel between stars. Fermi was skeptical and thought that maybe he hadn't seen any evidence of extraterrestrials or their vessels because it's impossible, or because advanced civilizations decided it wasn't worth the effort, or because civilizations don't survive long enough for it to happen. Because they don't survive long enough, you say? Wow. What a great segue, Art. Mm -hmm. It's almost like this is a written script and that Well, no, planned. segues are what I'm known for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like the, you're like the Jared Fogel of segues. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. Uh, so let's talk about some possibilities for why we don't yet have evidence of ETs. 
Let's talk about why we haven't had our finest politicians make treaties and trade deals with visitors from other solar systems. Let's talk about why in the year 2020, we're still not able to pit our best human fighters against the burliest little green men from beyond the moon in gladiator style combat. Come on. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Let's talk about arguably the most straightforward idea first. That the success of human beings on a planet like Earth is really just a pretty uncommon occurrence. And we are actually the only advanced intelligent life anywhere. This idea is sometimes called rare Earth, and it echoes the findings of the FHI research team, whose scenarios showed that there's actually a pretty decent chance we're the only intelligent life in the universe, and an even better chance that we're alone in the Milky Way. The next two ideas are kind of similar to each other. The Guyan bottleneck was proposed by Dr. Aditya Chopra. Uh, yeah, that's right. Wow. It posits that extraterrestrials are all dead. Neat. <laughs> Life on non-Earth habitable planets um, didn't develop at the proper rate to stabilize the planet and allow for more advanced life to flourish. Similar to the Guyan bottleneck, the great filter hypothesis recognizes that, well, Earth has been through like five mass extinctions, mm -hmm. but life was still able to survive in advance, baby. Maybe on other planets where life developed, you know, it didn't ultimately survive mass extinction events. The next two possibilities center around the potential inability of humans to detect, advan detect advanced extraterrestrial life. The Great Silence suggests that ETs simply do not contact Earthlings because we're not advanced enough technologically to bother with. You OG bunk funkers out there know that we talked about the Kardashev scale in our Boaties Void episode. So give it a listen if you're one of our diaper dandy bunk funkers. Uh, for some quick info right now, the Kardashev scale basically measures the energy use capabilities of a civilization, which theoretically corresponds to the technological advancement of the civilization. Uh, a Kardashev 1 civilization can use all the energy of their home planet, a Kardashev 2 civilization can use all the energy output of their home solar system. A Kardashev 3 civilization can use all the energy in their home galaxy. The thought is that Kardashev 3 type ETs may not be detectable by human technology and may even seem like natural phenomena rather uh, uh, to us. Uh, basically, uh, they may be so far ahead of us in technology that we can't even understand what they're doing or even notice how it's different from everything else we observe. There's also the possibility that ETs aren't biological creatures like us at all. Maybe they're machines. Lord Martin Rees suggested exactly that, and even further suggested that humans should focus on searching for non-carbon-based energy collectors rather than scanning for radio signals. Then there's the great sleep hypothesis, which basically posits that advanced ETs haven't reached out to us because they're all hibernating. The idea is that as technology improves, civilizations will not choose to colonize the galaxy, but instead will choose to propel their civilizations forward by expanding their computing power, even building huge planetary computers or computers that surround entire stars. Maybe the builders of these huge computers uploaded their consciousness and are being kept alive in a utopian sim simulation. Uh... Maybe these computers are the ones that run the simulation that humans experience, and the builders designed the simulation to make us think we're alone in the universe. Regardless of the use, these huge computers would require extreme amounts of cooling. That's why scientists speculate that any ETs with this kind of computing power would choose to build their computers on the edge of the galaxy, 
In this way, they basically use the coldness of deep space as a heat sink. Neat. It further, it, it's further been suggested that to get maximum cooling, advanced ETs may choose to wait until the universe expands further, reducing the temperature of background radiation, which, you know, establishes the minimum boundary for coldness in the universe. So potentially, highly developed civilizations are sleeping at the edges of the galaxy, waiting for another, mm, I don't know, about 1,400 billion years <laughs> until the universe cools down a bit and computers can run Metro Exodus on the highest settings. <laughs> wow. It's going to be quite a quite an age good to live plug, in. Good plug. Um, speaking of the edge of the galaxy, the Milky Way is about 100,000 light years across. So far, we've scanned for radio signals that go about 40,000 light years beyond Earth. So really, we haven't even gotten halfway across the galaxy, so to speak. It's entirely possible that extraterrestrial life is out there but it's just too far away for us to detect. Those ETs might also be too far away to visit us. They might be just as unaware of us as we are of them. But hey, what if Earth is just so young? <gasps> so young. Can't marry no one. Ooh. Whoops. Uh, anyway, sorry about that, listeners. It's another Beach Boys loop. So let me explain what Andy meant when he said the Earth is so young. Uh, Dr. Peter Beruzzi has suggested that Earth had a head start in development. The last star will likely die out about 100 trillion years from now, and Dr. Beruzzi estimates that only 8% of all the planets that will develop have existed so far. Essentially, Humans are actually one of the very first advanced civilizations. There may be others that come after us. We're just on the cutting edge. Huh. Okay, well, a Andy's still singing, so maybe I'll just wrap this up, huh? Where is everybody? Seven years after Enrico Fermi posed that question, we may not be able, we may not be any closer to answering it than we are, than we were then. Sure. We've made great advances in technology, and uh, with the, the search for other intelligent life continues. At the end of the day, though, the only evidence we found uh, that suggests that maybe we're totally alone in the universe. If ETs are out there, what are they up to? Are they too advanced for us? Too far away? Or too sleepy? All we can say for certain is this. As far as we can tell, we already know where everybody is, and it's here on Earth. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, listeners, this is Andy here from the podcast. I'm here with my co-host, your co-host, Art. Hey, listeners, how you doing out there? Folks, this is not an ad. This is a thank you. Thank you for being a listener. We appreciate everyone who listens to the show 
And um, it means a lot to us because, um, you know, we work hard to to provide you a great product. And if you're loving it, hey, share it with your friends. Maybe they'll love it too. Thanks, listeners. We love you. Back to the show. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of the Fermi Paradox. Mamma mia. Mamma mia. Andy, I got an equation for you. <laughs> oh, God, I can't wait for this. I understand exactly 0% of today's topic. Woo! <laughs> That's not an equation. That's yeah, just, it is. Uh, art just a statement. Equals zero. <laughs> well, what did well, you... Well, f- if art's understanding equals X, okay. and X equals 0%. Boom. Equation. Wow. Get fucked, eggheads. <laughs> Take that, eggheads. I'm no egghead. Yeah. I'm no egghead. Listen, What'd if you're you... an egghead, that's fine. I'm not an egghead. What'd you find confusing about this? Mostly that big equation that I had to talk oh, about. Oh, the Drake equation? Everything else made sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Drake equation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Drake equation, baby. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty hefty equation. I'm just not an egghead, okay? Yeah, I get that. Uh... You know, boy, there's a lot to talk about here, huh, Andy? Yeah, there's a lot going on. I just want to say, though, Enrico Fermi didn't even come up with the damn equation or the paradox or anything, and he still gets all the credit. That dude rules. That's like the guy in the group project who does none of the work but gets all the credit. <laughs> he did a lot of stuff, though. Nah, he didn't do shit. <laughs> he basically, like, built the first nuclear reactor. That's true. He he was a very smart guy. Yeah. And, uh you know, you have to. I think. I think you had to put his uh, his uh, question into context too. This is 1950. Like, think about uh, think about rocketry technology of the day. Yeah. You know, like we hadn't been to the moon yet. You know, he he couldn't have uh, anticipated the huge leaps that technology would take over the next like 15 years. Yeah. To be able to do that, so I think that. Um, you know, his question was valid at the time. I think it's still valid today, honestly. Sure. But yeah, he kind of gets, uh, uh, he kind of gets, um, slapped onto that. It's, it's sort of like, um, uh, the scientist, uh, Fred Dyson who gets, uh, credit for Dyson for shells. the vacuums. <laughs> yeah. The vacuums. Oh, the Dyson shells. Right, right. The Dyson shells. Which are the giant... Uh, the star massive, encompassing... Yeah, like shells that encompass a star like a uh, kinder egg. Right. Uh, or my favorite, Wonder Balls, if you guys remember that, Bunk Funkers. That's what they used to call me in college. Wonder Balls? Yeah. Uh, God. Uh, yeah, that, that, that harvest a star's energy and power. Like designed to capture all the energy, all yeah. the radiant energy of a star. Right. Uh, you know, he proposed like sort of a thought experiment about this. And then it got expounded on by a lot of other people and they started calling them Dyson shells, even though he never proposed that. And frankly, he sounded kind of mad about it. I mean, Fermi was dead before the Fermi paradox became a thing. So get over it, egghead. We can't, we can't know for sure how Fermi would have felt. Friggin' Poindexter's having his name attached to this, you know, leave it to a bunch of friggin' eggheads to ruin everybody's fun. (laughs) We're the only, there's no aliens, probably, with our math. Come on. Live a little eggheads. <laughs> Have some fun. Um, You know what I want to talk about with this one, Art? A favorite Masticholi. topic. Masticholi. 
a favorite topic of this of the show, Master Choli. Uh, look, it's pasta, it's sauce, it's cheese, it's baked. What more do you want, Sassy. baby? What do you want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about the um, if uh, Carl Sagan took the world's biggest fucking bong rips. <laughs> You, That's what I want to talk about. Okay, let's no, no, go down no. that path. Uh, go, go ahead. What do you want to say? Uh, I want to talk about um, the possibility that I think we both are in the same kind of camp where we think that there probably is extraterrestrial life that exists out there. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about another thing I think we're aligned on, which is that that life doesn't necessarily resemble us and is maybe in a form that we just haven't been able to detect because these are different kind of creatures than us. We are Kardashev stands. We stand that shit, dude. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm using lingo. Fuck you, Zoomers. Wait, what? Stan. You uh, know, if you're a stan of something, you're a fan of it. Oh, I never oh, heard this God. before. Oh, fucking, I got a boomer over here. Right, young people? <laughs> yeah, we got a boomer. Okay, boomer. Okay. <laughs> You need help using Microsoft Word? <laughs> okay. No, if you stand something, you're like a fan of it. Oh, okay. You know, like, uh, I think it... Oh, God. I'm, I might be wrong here, but I think it relates to, you know, Eminem. Remember the song? Yeah. And stan was the, the fan and... They killed himself. Yeah. And that's like being a stan. Oh. So now if you're like a huge fan of something, you're a stan. So... Oh, God. This is just... I, I can imagine some of our younger listeners... Just being like, oh, God. <laughs> Why is that making a comeback? I don't know. I don't know who started that, okay? Eh, don't worry about it. I always, I'm a millennial. I only think about myself. I always giggle anytime I uh, think about Dido. It's so close to Dildo. <laughs> One letter thank away. Thank you. Thank you. Right? Mm, probably, maybe. I forget been how the song goes. Yeah. Anyway, we're big fans of that. <laughs> We're big fans of the, no, we are, Card yeah. the Kardashev thing where it's like, they might be so advanced that we don't have the capacity to detect them, or they don't even have to be that advanced. What if these aliens are some kind of wavelength that we can't detect or we can't see with our naked human eyes? Right. Or well, naked human peens. Yeah. <laughs> which, which Art and I are always pointing toward the stars. Because you talked about galactic battle, but, you know... I think we all want to know when we're going to get to fuck some aliens. Yeah, you're a lover and I'm a fighter. That's <laughs> that's canonical about us. No, we're big fans of the Kardashev thing, right? Yeah, I think that um I think that it is an interesting thought experiment to say if a civilization could harness the whole power of the galaxy, would we be able to detect that? You know, like I mean, a lot of we talked about it originally with like the theoretical Kardashev type four, which, you know, are basically like civilizations that could harness the power of a whole universe. Right. Or like type five, which Kardashev never proposed, but these are like additions on, I mean, DLC. Again, yeah, DLC to the Kardashev scale. Uh, type five, who could harness like collections of universes' power output. It's like those kind of civilizations, four and five, for sure, we'd never be able to separate they, from. They'd be like, demigods right they would be like they would be like gods i mean because i mean how could you separate them from natural workings like their methods would have to be so advanced we wouldn't even understand it blows your mind and i think that kardashev 3 is probably approaching that limit like our understanding of 
like the universe and physics and, and, and mechanics and everything is like limited. We don't know it all yet. So it's like, if you, if you had the, the, you know, we, we think about how would they do this, you know? And we talk about like, oh, they would probably do this. They would probably do that. You know, we don't have any idea cause we don't understand it. We know what we would do, but we can't imagine what the goals of a civilization this advanced would be. That's why I think that the whole great sleep thing is pretty interesting that, all they want to do yeah, is... of course you think that's fucking interesting. God, hibernating for 1,400 billion years sounds awesome right about now. <laughs> I could use a nap. Uh, no, the All idea... All right, rumple fort skin. <laughs> rumple foreskin? <laughs> Crumpled foreskin. <laughs> I tripped. Oh, God. I bruised my wiener. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I dubbed my dick on the edge of the bed. <laughs> uh, Big hog problems, hashtag... <laughs> <laughs> you OG bunk fuckers know. You OG bunk fuckers always tweeting at us. Hashtag big hog problems. Big hog problems. Um, but the idea that an advanced civilization wouldn't want to colonize, they maybe just want to advance their own civilization by doing massive computations. Because when you think about it, think about all the stuff that we have computers do today. Uh huh. Think about the exponential level of understanding you could gain about everything around you by having like a planetary sized computer do computations for you. Like obviously it would take a long time to process, but the amount of data it could handle well, would be enormous. That's that's the theory behind simulation theory. Right, exactly. You know, that it could simulate life. Right. Universes. Right. Planets. Right. Uh, tons of, I mean. So imagine the stuff that you could do with a computer like that. Like maybe you're not as concerned with with going to, with like setting up outposts on every planet. On Terra or right. all the other Warhammer, Warhammer 40k planets that right, I can't exactly. think of right now. You know, that's- Galactus. That's like a very, maybe- or Gladius. A, a human, a human condition kind of thought that- Yeah, we what love, we that's do. what we do. I that's mean, that's what we our, would do. Fuck, we got that covered, baby. Reproduction and like being like little spores. Yeah. Oh, baby, that's our jam. We are- Pandas? Not so much. Yeah. A race of alien pandas die out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is the deal with pandas? We <laughs> try so hard to get pandas to fuck and they still won't fuck. Yeah. They like don't want to exist anymore. Yeah. I read a post on Reddit <laughs> under like our unpopular opinions or something because I think it's a default subreddit now. And someone was like, we should just let pandas die out. And I was like, did Andy post this? This is an Andy <laughs> post. He's like, I don't give a shit how cute they are. We try so hard to get these things to reproduce and they won't do it. I mean, <laughs> that's like such an Andy thing to say. Yes, we've changed the environment that allowed them to like live. Yeah. But I guess part of the thing is, what do they contribute to the environment? <laughs> You know what I mean? I didn't I call it bunk funkers. I called it Andy hates pandas. What like koalas? What do they contribute? Like they eat they have uh, chlamydia. They they eat eucalyptus, right? Uh-huh. And it's not even that like efficient for them. Like they have to eat it's a not, lot of it. It's, it's not, not very nutritious. There's, there's no nutrition in it. So they have to eat a ton of it. They're cute. No, they're not. They got those big claws. Yeah, you were happy about the brush fires in Australia. Frankly, it <laughs> did more good than harm. <laughs> To our Australian listeners, we're joking. That's yeah. That's a sarcastic <laughs> statement. Uh, the brush fires were horrible, and yes. 
and global warming is a real thing. We hope you're okay. Uh, if you're our Australian listeners, um, we we hope that everything is all right. But I'm just saying. I don't know. Koalas are one of those like it's kind of like sloths. Oh boy. You're oh, Andy, I know you're that playing with fire. We're gonna get the heat here. You're gonna get so. some fucking hate. I mean, everybody get at us. I like this though. Hashtag big hog problems. Well, so often I get labeled as the evil one. For no reason. <laughs> Wait, by who? And everybody says, Oh, sweet little Andy. Oh, he's so innocent. Oh, he's a big guy, little teddy bear. Oh, he's a human Kirby. Oh, all this stuff. Hey, listen. OG bunk fuckers, you're hearing it. The guy hates sloths. I'm just saying, I think that we have to be realistic with some of these creatures. Maybe they're not worth saving. Maybe, I mean, um, they are, right? Like, we can save them now. Yeah. We can save the DNA. We can have them in zoos. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't have to exist in the wild. Like, why, what do pandas contribute to their ecosystem? I what have no idea. What do sloths contribute? I mean, maybe their what shit a, fertilizes stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. They, they allow more bamboo to grow so I can have more cutting boards. <laughs> To slice my various meats. Uh, what do what do koalas contribute? I have no idea. I, no I mean, I just watched zoologist. a documentary about the American bison, a animal I'm a big fan of. Right. Ugh, I love American bison. God, what a cool fucking creature! More people need to be into the bison. Like, oh, I guess the Buffalo Bills exist. I was gonna say there need to be more sports teams named after bison because they fucking rule, Andy. They till the soil by trampling it and, and, and running around. They uh, when they eat the grass, they can't uh, they can't purse their lips open like cows can, so they don't ever eat the root of the plant. Meaning that they allow the plants to like keep growing. And they're poop fertilized. They're poop fertilized. They are insanely tough, smart, uh, just beasts, and they're cool and. Their meat is low fat. You can eat it raw because there's no E. coli. They're, they are better range animals for the environment and for herders than cows are. Bison rule. Hashtag bison rule. I'm bison. I'm pro bison. I'm pro bison too. I'm bo bison. You fucking, hey, listen. I, as everybody knows, I'm running I'm for president. I'm bo bison's son. <laughs> you famously are hunting bo bison. Yeah. You're going bo hunting. Right. <laughs> uh... Back to aliens, Andy. Sorry Wait. about that tangent. I talked about pandas. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I'm not as into the great sleep one as you. Oh. I'm not as into it. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think I'm I'm more into the young Earth. Earth is a cool hip teen. Earth's a teenager, really. Earth is trying to figure things out, right? Earth is angsty. Earth is uh, going through changes. Earth is angry. Earth doesn't understand. And... You know, I think eventually Earth Earth will chill out. Earth will go to college. Earth will put up a Bob Marley poster. Earth will put up that Pink Floyd poster with all the girls' butts. Mm -hmm. Earth will put up Reservoir Dogs poster and or Pulp Fiction, of course. Right. You know, Earth will mellow out, figure itself out. Earth will be okay. I guess really, though, if we talk about Earth being an early planet development wise earth is kind of the old man right earth is the og there's all these young planets that have yet to even be born yeah earth is like me and 
all other planets are like you. <laughs> Sorry, I had a hangnail. <laughs> Listeners, and I'm ripping Art's it. furiously biting his thumb. Literally ripping it off as we uh, speak. I mean, because if it, I mean, this is interesting to me too. The idea that this that Earth is actually because you know when we talk about like the age of the universe and the age of the galaxy, it's always like, oh, you know, our star is kind of like middle of the road. Earth is kind of like middle of the road. It's not that old. Yeah, but it's interesting to think that um, you know, there's still like hundreds of trillions of stars yet to be born or planets to be born that you know we've only ever we've just begun to like scratch the surface of how many planets there will be true i mean i like it's like we've just now started kind of like probing the planet next door to us right you know it's like there's just so much out there like there's so much more even beyond the nine that we know right and it's like you know, I like to think that, like, oh, boy, this hangnail's bleeding. Oh, boy. This has <laughs> uh, gone from bad to worse. I'm no egghead, and that's fine. I'm, it's not a knock against eggheads, because we got to have them. We need them. We need eggheads. If you're but an egghead, about, thank like, you. Okay, out of all the planets around us, right, the nine in our solar system or whatever the number is now, they keep bringing Pluto in and out, and I don't give a shit. That's fair. That's egghead stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> Ours is the only one like capable of harboring life. Like Mars, maybe. Right? Like we like they're they're finding like ice and stuff, but it, advanced intelligent life. Ours is the only one that was capable, right? So you gotta think like light years and light years and light years away, you know, X number of galaxies away, you start drilling down. There's gotta be another planet that has a similar composition to ours that can harbor life, but maybe it's like, it's just so rare, right? Right? Like, you think like, you know, Venus is mostly a gaseous, gaseous planet that like, it's just made up of like one or two things, or like Jupiter is mostly gas, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, Saturn's, its ring is just shit and junk and dirt rock and whatever the gas and I don't know what else. But it's like, there's nothing living there. Uranus is too cold. So you got to think like... Put your brains on. Yeah, well... Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know what yeah. I'm getting at? I know it's hard to understand what I'm saying. No, I think I see what you're saying. You're saying that the the conditions necessary for the development of a, for advanced life, even if we just look inside our own solar system, appear to be fairly rare. Fairly rare. Uh, One out of nine. Yeah, I think, I think that though... And even then, it's not easy to live here. It took a long time to... Create a comfortable existence. Yeah, and I think it's easy too to say that at one point it was all frozen, you know, and at one point it was Pangea and all this other shit, right? Yeah, I think I think it's easy too to say that what's the chance that humans develop, you know, at the end of the day? Like the pop probability of it is probably pretty low. Very low. Because think of all the parameters that have to exist, all the all the hoops, all the uh the conditions that have to be exactly right to the 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 smallest decimal right and then you have to extrapolate even further and say what about um leaving detectable signals in space what about traveling interstellar from your star system Fuck. to I another mean, star system yeah you, and you you talk about all the mass extinctions think about all the times humanity almost extincted itself <laughs> yeah world I'm, war 2 the cold war what if 
there there's a really great YouTube video that I think you would love. I'll send it to you later, but it's I think it's by this guy named uh Emperor Lemon. And he does this like 40-minute documentary about this guy named Stanislav Petrov, who was this just run have you heard of this guy? He's this run-of-the-mill, just uh you know, Soviet guy living in a bunker, much like us. Uh, you know, just a regular Soviet uh, army guy. And he was in a bunker and his job was to ma- watch the radar system to see if the Americans were sending nukes. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the Cold War, fuck, that was tense. I mean, right. the stockpiles were increasing. You know, people forget that. We were building more nukes. Both countries were. Thank you, Fermi. Thank you, Fermi. And essentially what happened, there's a lot of other criteria, but Stanislav saw the radar and he saw there were signals. The radar was telling him missiles are coming. And he had a choice to either ignore his equipment, to ignore his role as a soldier, which was to follow orders. His orders being, if I see the radar telling me there are missiles coming, I have to call it in. Those are his two choices. He chose to ignore. He chose to ignore the radar. Turns out, faulty radar system. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened in Hawaii not too long ago. You remember Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. People in Hawaii freaked out. That guy followed orders. Yeah. There was a malfunction in his radar system. He thought China or Russia, whoever, were launching nukes. Turns out it was a faulty. He called it in. People freaked out. They had to evacuate Hawaii. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. If he had called that in, what do you think would have happened? Russia would have launched nukes at us. Yeah. Then we would have launched nukes at them. Right. Then what does our, then I think human life ceases to exist. Yeah. I think mean, about that one minute story. Yeah. Then you think about, okay, there's got to be some other planets out there that that's what happened to them. Sure. There's enough planets out there in the galaxy that that story went the opposite way. Yeah. Their, their version, alien Stanislav Petrov called it in. Alien Soviets attacked alien America, you know? Or even think about this. Dinosaurs. Oh, the, I will think about them. We're the top of the top of the heap in biological life on this planet oh, for yeah. like a hundred million years. Humans aren't even close to that. Not even close. Not even a little bit, like a fraction of a fraction. If that asteroid had never hit the earth, which inevitably it was going to, but let's say that Dinosaurs didn't die out. It would never have paved the way for mammals. Is it an asteroid? Or is it like they think maybe asteroid, maybe Great Freeze, maybe this, maybe that, all combined together? Or is it 100%? Are we like pretty sure it was an asteroid? Uh, I think I'm that, literally asking. I'm not being like, was evolution real? I think that the <laughs> asteroid that hit the Yucatan Ooh, Yucca. is the catalyst for a lot of changes but uh, I think, and that's what caused the I think environmental it, I think it, uh, it it exacerbated some of the other stressors that were going on and after this episode I'm going to go exacerbate in the open face toilet <laughs> Andy <laughs> what no that's disgusting oh I'm sorry god you jerking off no I've been exacerbating <laughs> don't say jerking off it sounds so crude I'm exacerbating yeah, alright egghead I don't know. Come, that's 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 the one. It's that where you I jerk lean. off really hard, <laughs> so you like do some cardio. It's exacerbating. <laughs> yeah. It's thinking about it. Uh, that's that's the kind of the the theories that I'm leaning towards. That like, there's got to be 
another planet out there, but maybe, you know, the, the amount of parameters that have to go right to create intelligent, advanced intelligent life is so hard and so unique that maybe they just haven't reached there yet. Or maybe they're still in a different stage. Stage. Right. You know? Let's talk about the Drake equation in this sense, too. Like, All right. L, the length of time that a civilization yeah. sends these signals. There's a lot of debate about that, what that number should be. Because, you know, it could be, like, if we look at civilizations here on Earth, like, what are some really long-lived civilizations? They didn't even exist for that long. Like, Rome? What are we talking about? Like, 300 years? 400 years? Really? What are you talking about? Like, I thought it was like 1,500. Egyptians? Well, I guess it depends. See, it's, if you bring in the Byzantines, <laughs> yeah, it depends Which on how I know you want. It depends on depends on how you like judge it. You know, like uh, you know. So I don't know. We don't have like evidence that suggests that civilizations exist for like beyond. I mean, maybe even like a couple of thousand years. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that much time in the geological. They all went extinct. Sense. I mean, yeah. the Egyptians. Ancient they don't Egypt- exist anymore. Yeah. There's no Egyptians anymore. Egypt is a myth. Well, it's more they like... <laughs> they transformed. We'll, we'll talk about that in a later episode, but Egypt isn't like real. Like Rome fell and then it kind of split and it yeah. morphed and eventually, you know, it's like, okay, it's no longer the yeah. HRE, you know, right. it's the whatever. So, I don't know. It, it's, is, it is interesting. Papal states of Italy. Civilizations here don't don't la- they they eventually fall apart right so it's like it's it's easy to imagine i mean in some cases like i think that uh frank drake uh when he, they first developed this equation one of the values they plugged in for l was 100 million years because it's kind of like this thought is that once you reach this point where you've satisfied all these other variables yeah that you you could just exist indefinitely, but I don't think that that's true. You know, that 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 the potentially that number could just go to like almost infinity because there's nothing. These civilizations are so advanced that there's nothing that could stop them. That you know, your civilization would carry on unabated for a hundred million years. It's like I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily believe that. Like, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Like, are humans going to? Are we going to go through another evolution? I mean, is the the new evolution like man and machine? Yeah. I'd Are probably. we then a different species? Well, I mean, we talked about this in uh human evolution episode. Number uh, two. Number two. We dropped a deuce OG, on this topic. OG bunkfuckers, no. OG bunkfuckers, no. But for you diaper di- dandies. Diaper dandies. Check it out. Check it out. Um, It's going to sound a little different, but bear with it. Uh, Humans are evolving at a faster rate. Than ever. Yeah. And the rate keeps increasing. Yeah. So evolution just keeps speeding up and speeding up and speeding up and speeding up. Who knows where that leads us? You know, it's like it took us, what, like two million years to evolve to this point from like uh, ancient hominid ancestors. Like, think about what will happen in 2000 years from now. I mean, we'll be long dead, but humanity could be vastly different. And who knows? Humanity might be dead. We might kill ourselves. We might destroy this planet and have nowhere to go. Right now, we don't have anywhere to go. We can't get to Mars. Yeah, and even if we did, we wouldn't be able to colonize it yet. We couldn't do anything once we get there. I bet a bunch of people would have to live in a space station and repopulate. 
Right. Better hope you're not on it. Because <laughs> I'm shooting blanks, folks. <laughs> Can you imagine? This is our sketch. You guys can't have it. Yeah, but just imagine. Yeah, the world ends, and then it's like the last guy, and he's like sterile. The last man on earth, and he's sterile. Yeah. It's like a Twilight Zone, but funny. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, we're comedy writers. Like, we get that. Yeah. Some of- and we're going to send that to Lorne a little yeah. later. We'll yeah. Shoot it over to Lorne. Be like, it's okay. Let's put Pete Davidson in it. <laughs> Pete Davidson looks sterile. <laughs> That he does. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of lean towards that too, Andy. You know, I mean, it's just. Oh, it's tough. But I, I just have to think that there's something else out there that's still harboring life. And maybe it's just hasn't reached that advanced stage yet. And it just takes a really long time. Yeah. I think I favor that over the there's some other advanced life out there that has beat us to the punch. Then again, though, now I'm kind of contradicting myself with simulation theory. Because it's like, well, you're rubbing, we're rubbing elbows with it, right? Like, if I don't believe that, then I kind of don't believe simulation theory. Mm -hmm. So it's like those advanced creatures might have simulated us. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm torn. Call me Natalie and Brugia because I'm fucking torn. Well, Natalie, I, (laughs) I mean, the thought is that if you, Obviously, if you build these huge, I mean, we talked about it in simulation theory, a huge planetary size supercomputer supercomputer would probably be the thing that would be able to simulate this. It's like, what if that is the actual truth that this is all simulated and it's just some some, uh, extraterrestrial race that's simulating this, you know? (sighs) A huge well, planetary computer. This is just some. This is just some version in the universe. The reason we we find these connections that there's a multiverse is because the this huge computer is or this system of computers is just running millions and millions of different scenarios on this universe. And this is just the one one of the very simulations where humans exist, but nothing else does. Maybe there's other simulations where humans exist and life is everywhere. Yeah. Damn. Maybe there's other simulations where nothing exists. The universe is empty and cold. Yeah, maybe they're running simulations to figure out what is the optimal settings to create life. Yeah. And shit like that, you know? Yeah. I I mean, it's possible. Oh, in this simulation, they killed them. Everyone blew themselves up. In this one, the blah, blah, blah. In this one, we didn't use enough oxygen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think... Mother F from Carl Sagan, after he took the world's biggest bong rip, said it best. The earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. The earth is where we make our stand. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just running simulations to figure out what are the optimal settings for Metro Exodus. You're really into Metro Exodus, huh? I mean, I want to play it too. <laughs> I'm not that into it. Oh, why? It's a cool game. I don't know anything about it. You don't know anything? Why'd you pick it? Just because... <laughs> I don't know if it's that hard to run, Andy. I want something that's taxing. It was supposed to be a reference. I mean, Escape from Tarkov's pretty hard to run. Mm, maybe Might have been a better reference. A little bit more niche, though. Yeah. Well, maybe not now. Previously, it was. Um, I want to play Metro Exodus. So I was very shocked when you when you listed that. So. Well, I hope someday that there's a computer big enough 
No, my computer can run MetroX. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got a 1080 in there. Yeah, he's got a... You heard it here first, folks. Art's got a computer the size of Mercury. <laughs> I have a planetary supercomputer, and I'm using it to play video games. Art, Dr. Art, you know, couldn't you... Uh, we're trying to, like, simulate the universe. You know, could you... Uh... No, I'm playing video games. I'll do it later. Friggin' eggheads. I think that we just have to also consider that the goals of 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 civilizations that are this far advanced would be almost inscrutable to us. Yeah, you know? I mean, our idea of advancing is to like colonize, survive, take over. It's like we live in a four X game, you know, exterminate, explore, extrapolate, exacerbate, and exacerbate. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like, what are their goals? Their their goals are so much more lofty, so much more, yeah, heady. It's, it's like we're we're at like a point seven on the Kardashev scale. We're not, we're even, not a, even a one. We're not even a one. We're we're like point seven. That's that's generally the scientific consensus is that we we can consume about seventy percent of the Earth's energy. Like that's what we can utilize, and of course we're approaching one, but. It's like, we got to figure out, you know, how will we get past that? You know, like that's what's really going to drive. And if, and if, you know, like what if, what if humanity figures out how to do like fusion reaction? Like that's a game changer. Huge. That's how like starship travel could right. become a possibility. Right. Or, you know, there's also this uh, unlimited hypothesis. energy. You, you make like giant solar sails. Just these little small things that are like self-replicating factories. You you launch them in a certain array, like maybe around Mercury or whatever, to try and catch the sun's energy, and then it just sort of beams it back. Like once we start like collecting more of the sun's energy, ah. uh, that's like gonna really, I mean, that'll have like civilization-altering consequences. Oh, that'll have like such a on. I can't. You could. Could. I'm not. That's what you sounded like, though. You were like, "Yeah, oh, that'll be, oh, uh, that'll be big, huge. This will be, uh, dude, crazy good, dude. We put a big giant solar sail in front of the Mercury Sun. That's a big peepee. That's a big peepee, dude. Big energies, big peepee energy. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, I agree with you, and it's like we're still though. We're still at that like." that level where we're like we need energy we need resources like these advanced what if they're like beyond needing resources you know beyond needing a body yeah an organic body that's some of the thought though is <sighs> you know, your mind yeah is that like you know they you know if these civilizations because we imagine it in this sense of needing resources. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's how, you know, Dyson collectors end up being thought of. Because you need to, the, you'll probably need to harness the power of many suns. Uh, but there's also this idea that you could just build giant fusion reactors and essentially send, I think we we talked about this recently Nano robots. Yeah, nanobots go to a planet. They dismantle the whole planet. Or, you know, nanorobotics would be used to this. They'll build these huge, like, 
in like intergalactic or <laughs> whatever um, fusion reactors and the robots will go and dismantle all the resources from a planet, feed it into the fusion reactor. And of course, you know, the heavier the element, the more energy you get out of it when you fuse it. And it's like, th- this could be the process. So it's like, theoretically, I guess, you know, uh, Tipler postulated that the galaxy should be strewn with machines from advanced ETs if they ever existed. We would see those that, eventually, That there right? would be machines everywhere. But what if it's not like that? What if it's, what if it's less uh, where it's they've thrown this all into, but more of a, they built one giant thing and it just keeps producing nanobots that go and do all this stuff and keep feeding it in. And they have, you know, a need for a huge amount of energy, but that they can produce it really efficiently. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That maybe it's not something that's strewn about all over, but it's more central. I mean, I don't know how efficient that would be because how do the nanobots travel? But eh. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's beyond my capabilities. I guess I'm kind of coming around to the great sleep idea a little bit more. Like the idea is that they, um, they're hibernating until the galaxy gets cold enough that they can launch their, they can liquid cool their supercomputer essentially. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause right now, uh, what background radiation, the coldest that anything can be in the universe is like 2.7 Kelvins, which is that's egghead numbers. Pretty. Give it to me pretty, in freedom units. Pretty goddamn cold. Uh, negative fucking freezing. What you? What number did you say? I'm going to look it up. 2.7 Kelvin. You said negative. No, it's 2.7. Kelvin goes from zero on up. Whatever, dude. The bottom is zero. All right, in Fahrenheit, that's negative 454 degrees. Yeah. Holy shit, but dude. That's, but that's like- Point as, eight. But that's as cold as it can get. Because wow. of back, because of background radiation, but it's cold. As the universe expands, that background radiation dissipates a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, that's where scientists have kind of calculated is that like fourteen hundred billion years from now, the universe will have reached this point, this limit, where it will have expanded as far as it's going to expand. Because remember, the universe is expanding, but they know that it's not going to expand forever. At some point, it's, it's like gonna, a rubber band. Yeah. It's going to snap back. And then after that, after it snaps back, everything's going to heat up because it's going to contract. Oh, boy. And then it gets real sexy. Uh, we take off all our clothes. <laughs> yeah. I am get- It's like a sexy universe dancing yeah. in the music video. Uh, I am getting so contracted. I'm going to take my planets off. It's like I got a sexy planet bikini. Yeah. Hot universe. Hot, sexy universe. Ooh, the Milky Way. But then I guess I assume that the universe contracts again back into a singularity. So maybe this isn't even the first time this has happened, Art. Maybe the universe is just a constant loop of contraction and expansion back to a singularity. Big bang, blows out, expands, cools off, comes back, heats up, singularity. God, I hope you bunk funkers are fucking laying down. This is this is heady. This will put you in the couch. <laughs> Yeah. Whew. That is too much to think about on a Sunday afternoon, Andy. <laughs> oh, boy. Everything is meaningless, huh? Yeah, yeah, really. God. We're pointless in the scheme of things. Oh, we are. Um, But 
where were we going with this? I think that maybe, maybe these super advanced sleeping sentient beings are trying to stop the contraction of the universe. Yeah. Maybe that's the end goal. I mean, who knows, right? You know, because if they have these huge computers and they, let's say theoretically that they are hibernating, obviously they're going to have a lot of time between when the universe gets its coldest. But I hope would, they like solitaire. You know, like it gets cold. It gets really cold. Their computers run it with as optimal efficiency as they're ever going to get because the universe is as big as it will ever get. Right. And it's as cold as it will ever get. What do they do as it before the snapback? What do they do before it starts to heat up? What are they going to do with those computers? Now we have no idea. What are they calculating? What are they going to do? Maybe they'll figure a way out of it. <laughs> and he's flapping his arms, <laughs> much like a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't have answers for this. This yeah. is... I'm no egghead, you know. <laughs> you go dig up, you go exhume Carl Sagan's body and ask him. Okay, buried with his giant bong um, and his giant dong. Oh yeah. I just am like, I have to think the same thing you think. Maybe they're, maybe they're thinking about a way to get around. Like they've got to be aware if they've reached this level, right? Yeah. They got to be aware the universe is going to contract. Eventually, we're all going to die. And if they've reached this state where they th they can just live indefinitely, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if they can put themselves to sleep for uh, over a thousand billion years, they can probably live pretty much as long as they want. Yeah. Right. Like they've they've figured out a way. They got to understand that it, they're gonna at some point get compressed and they're all gonna die, and maybe that's what they're trying to figure out. Maybe that's what they want. That's yeah. why they need the calculations. They need to figure out. How to go to a different universe. Maybe they need to figure out how to change the course of the universe to keep it from contracting. That's, yeah. Well, I think we, we ought to maybe move on to our <laughs> Art's head is verdicts. Spinning. Art's head Unless is spinning. My brain is going to contract. <laughs> what do you think? You got anything else you want to talk about or you want to get to verdicts? No, I think we could sit around and talk about it all day oh, long. Yeah, you know what really I mean? Because it's just all so speculative. It's so it's speculative. Like, uh, it's interesting to think oh, about. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, listeners, I hope you think about it with us and you know, let us know what you think. Because this is interesting stuff. What do we even give verdicts on? <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Uh, I guess which... One we like the most. I guess. I guess. Let's say like a verdict. Yeah. Which. Which. Why haven't? Where is everybody? Is that should that be our verdict? Where is everybody? And we give a verdict based on which scenario we think. I don't think you have to pull out every one, unless you really want to. Uh, but I'm open to ideas here. Wait. What did you just say? L look. We'll answer the question. Where is everybody? Image. By saying what uh which scenario is it that we think is the most plausible sure what if you want to rate all of the scenarios on the plausibility scale yeah i mean we could do that too all right so all right i'll start rare earth i'll start with rare earth oh boy okay um plausibility Gosh, I got to give this um, plausible plus. Wow. Really? Yeah. Are you for real? 
Yeah, rare earth. Oh my god. I don't know. The FHI study kind of got me convinced a little bit that maybe this is pretty rare. I think there's so many unknowns in the Drake equation, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of variables, obviously, and a lot of stuff unknown. But maybe we are just unique. Um Okay, I gotta I wanna look at the the scale too. The scale? Yeah. No, I'm looking at the image I sent you that has all of them listed. No, I got that. Oh, okay. I wanna I wanna I wanna think about how to uh how to put this in the like the right terms. All right. So the guy in bottleneck. Mm, okay, I'm gonna go plausible plus plus on guy in bottleneck. And I'm gonna loop I'm gonna rope into that also um the great filter. Okay. Plausible plus plus for those two that yeah, yeah, yeah. that other life just didn't survive. Yeah. Because yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I you know, I think that seems pretty plausible too, is that it, you know, it kind of goes off of rare earth, right? A that little bit. Maybe it's just really unique for species to advance like humans have. Uh as for the great silence, the great sleep, uh, I'm gonna give those uh oh god, I gotta just say plausible. I kind of don't think that it's like real necessarily. Oh. But how could we tell? Jeez. Plus, you know, uh, we both say this all the time. Kind of want it to be true, right? Kind of yeah. want there to be cool, weird extraterrestrials out there. That's right. Floaty, spacey, uh, silky, gassy boys. Silky, gassy boys. Infrared gas coming boys. to visit us. That's kind of what we want. Um, and then I'm just gonna say, like, that Earth is early. The early Earth, the young Earth theory. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't want to say young Earth theory because that's another thing. Yeah. But uh, that that Earth is young in the. That's in the, the theory Jared Fogel's into. Um, I guess this one is uh, is uh, uh, maybe I'll give this uh, I'll give this a plausible plus plus. I don't think it make I think it makes sense. I mean, I don't know if the calculations are correct for how much, you know, formation and stuff. Yeah. So, I'm sort of at the at the uh mercy of uh Dr. Beruzzi here, but I mean, it's interesting. It kind of makes sense to me. Um and then just the idea that extraterrestrials are too far away or we just haven't, you know, like they're unaware of us and we're unaware of them right. at the same time. Right. Um the long road. Right. Uh, what will I give that? I'll give say me. very plausible. Whoa! Now I got to look up the scale. Uh, I'll give that. I'll give that a very. Plausible. We spend so much time doing like fucking quark and minus. We know the. We know the the red end of the scale. The <laughs> green end of the scale. Less uh, less familiar with. This is just one that I feel like I could go anyway. It's so so unknown. Yeah. But so that leads me to think that, hey, anything could be plausible. So those are my verdicts. Wow. Did I get everything? I think you did. Uh, what about just really, really far away? Did you just say that? Yeah, I'll lump that in. I'll say that very plausible with just like that. Either, either the extraterrestrials can't get here, just like we can't get to them, or that... You know, like they're unaware of us and we're unaware of them. Like whatever the circumstances are, I'm just going to kind of bucket it all together and say, maybe they're too far away. Maybe, you know, they're looking for us and we're looking for them and we just don't know it. 
Oh, boy. I'm looking forward to your verdicts. All right, here we go. Rare Earth. Rare Earth. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Plausible Minus. Okay. Okay. Minus? Yeah. Okay. Rare Earth. Guyan and Great Filter. Mm-hmm. Plausible Plus. Oh. Why why the discrepancy between those? Uh I don't I don't know. I don't like the idea that we're just unique. Oh, you just don't like that idea. I, I like to because I th- mm-hmm. I've separate them. Yeah. Like I feel like unique is just like we're the only ones. But Guyan and Great Filter are like other ones tried, they just couldn't okay. get that far. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I separate them a little bit. Okay. The Great Sleep. Mm-hmm. Plausible minus. Okay. Uh, early bird, aka you know, we just have had a head start. Yeah, plausible. Okay, a simple plausible. Okay, not like us. Highly plausible. Oh, the highest score you can give wow. on the bunker scale without that's being case all, that's, confirmed. That's almost case confirmed. That's yeah. Right. And long road, I'm gonna do uh plausible. I'm gonna do very plausible. Okay, okay. That's we got a long way to go. High. We got a long way to go. Right. Okay. And maybe just take more time. We're young. This right. is young earth. Young. We're young. And just really, really far away. Very plausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. So that's where I lean. Hmm. Okay. Well, Andy. Uh, listeners, those were our verdicts. If you could understand them. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. Yes. Tell us. Uh, send us an email. You know, did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? What do you think? Send us an email, Mr. Bunker. And if you tell us we got it wrong, I mean, you better justify that because how the fuck yeah. do you know? You better be an egghead. <laughs> or we'll come at you horde. Yep. Watch uh, out. Let us know what you think. Email us, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com. Tweet at us, MrBunkerPod at Twitter. Slide into our DMs on Instagram, MrBunkerPod. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitch. We might do a stream sometime soon. Uh, at MrBunkerPod on Twitch. Search for us on YouTube. We don't have a uh, channel name yet. You just have to search Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. There's a couple vids up there. They're fun. Our Christmas video is up there. Um, Go check that out. And that's all of our email. Use the hashtag, Andy. You got a good hashtag? Um, well, you know, if you want to, if you want to use some of the hashtags, uh, from the rest of the show, like hashtag us big hog problems for your big hog problems. Uh, what was the other hashtag we used, uh, during the episode? Well, okay. Uh, uh, as for this one, uh, let's do, let's do a uh, hashtag Fermi pair of dicks. Nope. Uh, uh, arts, arts holding his skull. I guess he's not a fan. Uh, I mean, I guess we could say that. Uh, will that violate Twitter's? <laughs> it won't violate Twitter. I whatever. Fermi Paradix. Uh, that's what we're going with. That's what we're doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and let us know what you think. Um, sweet Andy. Yes. Sweet Andy. Got anything else to say before we sign off and uh, be shot out of a interstellar cannon into the ends of the universe? Everyone, life <laughs> is a rare and beautiful thing. Let's cherish each day wow. and make the most of it. 
while also keeping an eye on our future. Nice. Well, this is the only planet we know that can harbor life. We got to take care of it. This is where the earth is where we make our stand. Yes. Let's be good stewards. Carl Sagan said it better than I. Let's be good stewards to each other and let's be good stewards to our planet. I think regardless of what you feel about global warming, climate change, whatever. Don't litter. You have to recognize that we got to take care of this planet. Yeah. Because we got to live here for the foreseeable future for a long time. Yeah. We can't get to Mars. We can't get anywhere. And we can't do anything once we get there. Either figure out how to get to Mars or quit throwing shit on the ground. Bingo, bango. <laughs> uh, anyway. That's it. That's all we have to say. And we we appreciate you. Again, thank you to Jacob for sending in this topic. If yes. you ever want to send in a topic for us to talk about, feel free to do so. Um, that's all it. We Thanks, Jay. Time to time to sign off. For the it is the time to sign off <laughs> for the titular Mr. Bunker and for my thersitical. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe a little bit of me too, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it means. Don't know what it means. Okay. You're gonna have to look it up. Thersitical co-host Andy Hart. I'm Arthur Stone. Saying that was the whole enchilada. Oh, finally we can go exacerbate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.